I remember when I first got married, when I first got married to my wife, I mean, you know, it took a long time for us. It felt like forever. You know, you know when, you're, when you're waiting on something, it might not be that long, but depending upon what it is, it feels like it's forever. I mean, maybe I'm the only one. Am I the only one that's ever been there? It feels like it's forever when you're waiting on something, you know. And so I was, I remember we were together for a while. We were together for a while, and we even prepared for marriage. And, uh, and then a delay popped up. And it was crazy because we ended up putting the wedding off for long, for even longer. And it was like, man, she kept leaving me, going on mission trips and stuff. Like God was using my wife mildly. She went to Africa and she went to uh, the Middle East and she went out to Hurricane Katrina to help, you know, bring relief down there. And it was incredible. But I was in that moment where I'm like, man, I just want to marry this girl, you know. And she was away, and it just seemed like it was taking eons for us to be able to come to the place of finally getting married. And then, you know, after all of the time that I felt and all of the pressure and all of the anxiety that I had to fight before we got together, you know, I'll never forget that right after we got married, it was so intense and it was so crazy, uh, you know, that right after the honeymoon, Come on, somebody. We were in the car. I'll never forget. We just had landed, and we were in, the, in our truck. I believe we were driving a Jeep Cherokee back then. And uh, we're, we're driving. And I'll never forget, we stopped at a stoplight in Detroit because I had to come and, and uh, host and be a part of this event um, that was there in Detroit. And I rem- I'll never forget looking at my wife, and she looked at me, and we're like, what the heck did we just do by getting married? Because... The, it was so challenging. It was so crazy what we faced in just that, sp- that period of time. It was like, man, like, why are we even married? I think, that, is it Tyler Perry that made a movie, Why Did I Get Married? I think it was, yeah. And it was just like, man, it was just a couple days. And we were like, man, I was waiting all this time. I was waiting. I was preparing. You know, we were going through this separation time and all of that in terms of while she was away and all that in the prep time. And then now, as soon as we get married, it's so crazy. The test, the temptation, the challenge that happened in just a matter of days. It was like, man, God, is this really what you wanted me to do? Is there anybody else who's ever been in a situation like that? So this is the thing. So we're there and I'm looking like, man, what in the world is happening? Why is it that you know, that we, that we got married because sometimes in life, after you've waited for something a long time, there's often these tests and these challenges and these trials, which will follow right after and will make you question whether or not God was in it in the first place. Can I get a witness this morning? And so I think this is very uh, interesting because as we're talking about the promises of God, as we're talking about God being able to do above and beyond our expectation You know, last week I shared with you and I challenged you around the fact that oftentimes our perspective is limited. And so we looked at, we started diving into the story of Abraham and how God promised him from Genesis chapter 12 that he was going to give him, he was going to give him and make him, he was going to give him a son and make him the father of many nations. And I told you that he made this promise to him when he was 75 years old. And Abraham and Sarah You know, they're thinking, hey, we're way past the age where people should be having children. And so they, instead of accepting God's promise, 
they end up manipulating the promise and trying to do what they could to make the promise come to pass. And I challenge you around the fact that they were unable to see above and beyond where they were at because they thought that God's bringing that promise to pass in their life was based on their current limitations as opposed to his ability, which we just read, is he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And so this was the challenge as it pertains to the promises of God, the things we see in Scripture, the things he may have, you know, because there are general promises that apply to everyone that we find in Scripture. But also there are specific things that are custom tailored for you and for your life that God may have spoken to you in your prayer life that do not combat or contradict the word of God. You know, things that he may have spoken to you about a job or a business or a relationship. And and the fact of the matter is that we often view what God is saying for our relationship based upon our current perspective. And so I challenge you then, and I even challenge you now, you know, what are you looking at in your life that God has promised you that you are determining whether or or not this thing is going to happen based upon your limitations currently? And so we found that God, after 25 years... So I was tripping over a couple years waiting to get with my wife. I just, you know, I just like, man, I really want to get with her so bad. I really want to get married. And but Abraham and Sarah waited for 25 years before they actually experienced where Sarah got pregnant miraculously and they were able to have a child. And there's something that happens, something that happens directly after this that follows that I believe, you know, is important to us that will help us as it pertains to our perspective when it comes to walking in what God has promised us, especially in the, uh, especially as it pertains to the things that he has spoken to us personally in our lives. Something happens that we find in Genesis chapter 22. Go ahead and turn there with me. That is exactly what often happens to us and kind of what I've explained happened to me Uh, with my wife a little bit earlier as well. Verse 1 says, After these things, God tested Abraham. Everybody say, God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering On one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. The Bible says, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood from the burnt offering and arose and went to the place where God had told him. Wait a minute. Hold up a sec. God has you to wait for 25 years. To have this miraculous child. And after you've waited 25 years, all of you, you and your family celebrating and talking about, look at how awesome this is. Wow, look at this miracle. And directly after this happens, after all of that waiting, after all of that, you know, fooling around and messing up and then God coming and repairing it and fixing it back. After all of that, now God, you're telling me to sacrifice the miracle? 
I was sharing with you about my marriage. I, after all that time, and I'm like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I wanted to get married so fast. I wanted to get married so quickly and all of this. And it took time and it kept being put off and all of this. And then as soon as I get married, we are faced with some tests. In fact, we ended up facing some things that hit our marriage. And for some of the things that we faced, it took like almost a decade. Praise God, this month, my wife and I are celebrating 12 years of marriage. Praise the Lord. I'm excited in a couple weeks. I better remember that date on the 24th of November. But it took us a very long time to go through some of those things. And to work through some of the temptations and the tests that came up after we got married. And time and time again, if I could just keep it real. I was like, God, did you, didn't you, didn't you give my wife to me? Didn't you call us to be married? How could you allow? I mean, some heinous things that popped up. And if you know our story or if you've done marriage counseling, premarital counseling with us, we've shared some of the things we've had to face, you know, and, um, and. You know, and it just and it's over time. It's been like, man, is God really there? Did you really call us to be together? And he would always remind us and take us back to the time when he made it unequivocally clear that we were to be married. And so somebody here today, you know, you might be in this position right now or it may be coming in the future. You may be to the place where you're like, you've waited for some time and you sought God and you you waited for that job. And then you got the job and then the boss starts tripping. Can I keep it real this morning? You know, it might not be your marriage, but you know, you may have been, you may have been in a place where you were begging God for a child. And then suddenly now the child comes and then right after the child comes, they start dealing and having some sort of a health emergency or crisis. Might be a situation where, you know, where you got your money together and and all sorts of stuff and you were working and you were doing your best to get things together. And then suddenly out of nowhere, the creditors pop up with something that you didn't even have a clue about. You know, maybe somebody with the same name as yours. You know, they had something and somehow they mixed you up with the person and they start garnishing your wages. Crazy things often happen following the promise. So Abraham is here where the Bible says that God tests him by telling him to take his only son and go sacrifice him. This is crazy. This is this is insane. Now, I want you to understand in that time, it was not out of the ordinary for them to do to practice human sacrifice in that time. The surrounding places, right, especially in pagan context, they would sacrifice they would sacrifice their their uh, children, right? Especially their firstborn children, to different gods because they're desi- they were desirous of thinking that if they give their god, right, whatever god it was that they were worshiping the best, that God would continue to make it rain. So it was not outside of the ordinary. It's not like okay, God is telling me to do something that is that is really weird or that is countercultural as it pertains to the exterior culture you know this was outside of abraham and and uh, and god this was outside of the people of god as we as the nation of israel which started walking with god this was something that they did on the outside however although this is the case the bible is clear and i don't have time to read through it but you can write these down for those who are note takers i encourage you to go and study it for yourself deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 31 Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 10. The Bible makes it clear animal sacrifices were, in fact, common, right? 
And God actually was the first one to, to kill an animal in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned. He determined, he destined that, it was, that blood had to be shed for the forgiveness of sins. And so he, he killed this animal. He covered them. Go to read Genesis chapter 3. You'll find that he covers them when they try to cover themselves. And in that moment, he's making it clear that animal sacrifices for a season were permissible to try and cover sins, right? But even though the animal sacrifices could cover sins, they couldn't take away sins. And he, because that would happen in Jesus. And the fact of the matter is, though, that ultimately he never endorsed not one place killing a human being, right? Or sacrificing a human in this context for the forgiveness or for the, uh, the, the covering of sins. It was always through an animal, but based upon what was happening around them, it may have seemed as if he was okay with this. So he tells him to give me the son that you love, right? He, ta- he, he, he tests Abraham in this way. Can I give you point number one? Here it is. God often tests us through and with what we love. God often tests us through and with what we love. That's why your husband is the one that gets on your nerves a lot. Don't look at your husband if he's sitting next to you. That's why oftentimes your kids are the ones that challenge you, especially in the area of patience. I got three of them. If there are any parents in here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's why the things oftentimes it might be that car that you love. And you've received it and you saved up and you tried to do things the right way. And then ultimately, then suddenly out of nowhere, something that the, the car will just break down. As you would say in Barbados, right? And you're like, what in the world? How did this happen? How did this just pop up out of nowhere? Because God often tests us through and with what we love. Because in this context with Abraham, after Abraham received what God had promised, he was testing him to see, do you love this thing more than you love me? Not only this, not only this, he's asking, are you willing to obey me with it or with them? Who are you in obedience to? Who or what Do you love more? And so oftentimes God will challenge us and God will test us with and through the things that we love. But you need to understand. So God's testing is not for uh, for God's information. It's for my revelation. God is omniscient. Everybody say omniscient. God knows everything because you're reading this. You're like, why is God testing Abraham? If God already knows everything, if he's the Alpha and the Omega, God is not testing Abraham for information purposes. He's not trying to find out because God knows the beginning from the end. But God, through testing, reveals. Reveals to me, first of all, where, what the status of my heart is towards the things and the people who are in my life. But it also reveals to the devil... Come on, somebody. The Bible makes it clear that God won't allow us to be tempted above that which we're able. First Corinthians 10, 13 is clear about this. 
that God is faithful who will not suffer us or allow us to be tempted above that which we're able and with the temptation will make a way of escape for us to be able to bear it how about with Job the devil and God spoke and God says I'm going to allow you devil to touch Job's life within these parameters because I know that I've prepared Job to be able to handle what you're about to throw at him and so he's not going to curse me come on and so God through the testing of Job revealed not just to Job but also to the devil that God's faithfulness was present in Job's life even in the midst of testing and so the testing of our life is not for God's information, but it's oftentimes for our revelation. So we see where we're at and also also so that uh, so that the devil can see because the devil is not omniscient. He can note and see that God's faithfulness is at work in our lives. Man, that's some good stuff right there because there's somebody here and you feel you know how oftentimes the things that we face, we feel like it's too much. Is there anybody else that's ever been in that place? You feel you're facing what you're facing and you're like, how in the world could God love me or have made a promise to me based upon what I'm facing? And you think that God is sending this thing to destroy you. But oftentimes, like I told you, when we're thinking above and beyond. If God has made promises to us, right? The testing is coming for a deeper and a greater purpose than just if I, because let, let me let me say this you know we live in a generation today where people teach that if you follow jesus that everything's going to be honky dory that if you follow jesus that it's going to be a cakewalk and then what happens is when problems start happening when challenges start happening we we'll usually start, start, start telling people you need to pray more it's because you're not fasting enough can i talk to some super religious people you know you, it's because you need to speak in tongues more Child, you learn Chinese, you learn German, you learn French, you speak in, in, in new languages, you create in all sorts of stuff, and stuff is still happening. I don't care how many tongues you talk in, the Bible makes it clear that those who serve, seek to live godly will suffer persecution. And the fact of the matter is that if you're following God, there are going to be challenges that come your way. And it's not because God is always whooping your behind, but oftentimes it's for your revelation to to show you that God is faithful in your life even in the middle of challenge and trial and not only this but oftentimes to tell the devil he's a liar I'm trying to behave but I feel the preach creeping up on me so the fact of the matter is that you know the, the reason why many times God has to reveal our heart is because oftentimes we create idols out of God's blessings so you've been begging God for a child and now you don't spend no time with God and it's not that things are not priorities in our lives but we many times create idols so God bless you with that car now what are you doing with it no don't you know you know we do everything but put that plastic on the seat you know that plastic that some of us they have on the couches that you're never allowed to sit on you know how we treat some of them beds? I don't know. Maybe y'all didn't grow up with that stuff. Those beds, the show bed, you go to try and like jump in it and your mom will dive and knock you out before you hit that bed. Like, no, this is for decorations, you know, and you do it. And now you treating this thing like it's an idol. You don't want to give nobody a ride. Who am I talking to? You're not allowing it because now this thing has become an idol. And so sometimes you got to get a flat tire or so, okay. Y'all don't want to be real with me today. Okay. 
that house, that house, or even your health. You know, this is the thing, right? I've been a, I was a vegan for over a decade, right? I grew up as a vegetarian and then became vegan for a very long time. That's why the mandem are so MAGA, right? <laughs> but the fact is, right, that the reason why I was a vegan and the reason why I was a vegetarian for so long, now I'm a pescatarian, so I love seafood, I, like, I eat seafood, and I've changed and shifted my diet. But the reason why I was that way for a long time was because of fear. Fear that came from false religion and fear that also came to put uh, that if I didn't do this, right, that I was going to die. So my whole focus was just trying to evade and run away from death. Right. And my health became an idol. And there are many people out there. Can I just talk about the about the I'm not going to call it that because I must get emails. Uh, But, you know, these people that are to the place where they idolize their diet. And where all you talk about is your diet and what you eat and what you don't eat. Come on, somebody. And you know what I didn't realize? You know, you know what I failed to realize? You're a health issue is not the only way that you die. You can be a vegan and walk outside and get hit by a bus. See, this is the thing. People, we idolize various things and we don't even realize that we are walking in idolatry and we think, oh, this is going to guarantee me some sort of security. No, baby. Yes, you need to make sure that you take care of your health, but you having a specific diet and being in a place where you're on a workout regimen, that is not going to protect your life as much as God is going to protect your life. And my, my question is to you, where are you putting your trust? And so oftentimes, God will just have to send some stuff that will remind you that your trust for security ought to be in him and not in a diet. Am I telling you to go out and eat 10 pork chops today? No, but I, where is your trust? God had to challenge me. I remember it was a season where I started getting hit up in my flesh. I was a vegan. I was eating probably because see some vegans, they'll be like, oh, you just weren't eating the right, you know, beans today. You needed to add this there and you need to put this and but no, I was eating it properly. Yo, the man them were not even using a microwave, fam. It was serious. It was intense. And God would allow stuff to happen. And I'm like, God, but I'm doing this, 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 and this. I thought, you know, you're, my, my health and all this stuff and whatever. And then he would remind me and it would come to my mind quickly. Where is your trust? Are you putting trust in a diet or are you putting trust in me? So God challenges us and tests us oftentimes because we create idols out of the things that he blesses us with. Going on, going on. So uh, the Bible says in verse 3 of Genesis 22, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, saw the place afar. Then Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy, speaking about Isaac, will go over there and worship and come to you again. And Abraham took the wood of burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, the fire and the knife. So they both, they both went together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them 
together. Here's point number two. If we truly trust God, the testing of our faith shouldn't hinder our obedience to him. If we truly trust God, the testing of our faith shouldn't hinder our obedience to him. So Abraham is in this moment where the passage tells us that God is testing his faith with the very thing that he loves. And God in that moment tells him to go and sacrifice his son. And Abraham, we don't find Abraham contesting God's command. We don't find Abraham saying in this time, he's like, you don't see him throwing a temper tantrum. But God, I waited for 25 years. And now you're telling me, no, he says in this moment in faith, God, son, is going to provide a sacrifice for this worship. And not only this, he goes, he takes the wood and he takes his son in a place of obedience because when you love God and you trust God and you truly trust God, you know that no matter what it is that you're up against, even if it challenges the very thing that you love, come on somebody this morning, that as long as God is still God, you have faith that he's going to work it out and it's not going to hinder your obedience to him God didn't tell we don't see a recording in that passage of God saying to Abraham I'm going to provide a sacrifice he didn't say to him I'm going to do this he just believed in that moment that he was going to do so and he declared this in faith to his son and carried his son to the mountain man I love my daughter Claire y'all I love her. I love all of my children. She's my only daughter. She's my princess. I mean, I, I tell, you know, and you, if you follow me online, you'll see, you know, I'm always posting about her. You know, and I asked the Lord, I waited so long to be able, you know, we, we wanted, a, well, I wanted a daughter so bad. And finally, God, you know, gave her to me. And, you know, just being in that moment and gave her to us. I'm not going to be selfish. And sometimes... You know, sometimes I'll just open the door while she's sleeping and I just stare at her. And I think I know, she, you know, if she was older, she would think that would be weird. But now she doesn't care. So I just do it. And I just look at my daughter and I'm like, man, I thank you so much, God, for my daughter that I prayed for. You gave her to me. I even found out on my birthday that we were having a daughter. It was just such an exciting setup. And I'm grateful. You know, I can't imagine God telling me to take up my daughter. And to go and sacrifice her. The love that I have for my daughter. Abraham in this moment, he doesn't hesitate. He goes, he says, God is in control. And he even has faith out there. I don't know where you're being tested. What is your response in areas of being tested? Because many times we sing about trusting God. And we jump and we dance. And we talk about how much we trust God. But then as soon as testing comes our way. Our actions say otherwise. But when we trust God, as challenging as it is, we can obey God and we're in a place where our obedience is not hindered because we're seeing above and beyond what it is that we're facing. God has something deeper. God has something further for us to be able to walk. You know, I just love it because how many of you have heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... You know, they are, they are some individuals in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. You don't have to read it. Go there. But in summary, 
they're in a place where the king is telling the mandem like you have to bow to this statue that I have erected. And if you do not do so, we are going to throw you in a fiery furnace. And so they have the consequences here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego legit tell the king, yo, we are not bowing to your dumb idol. Even we believe that God is going to deliver us. But if not, somebody say, but if not, we're still not going to bow to your dumb idol. Because they trusted God enough, come on, that even when their faith was tested, although they weren't sure about the ultimate outcome, they believed that above and beyond where they were at, that God was capable of turning this thing around and getting the glory out of it. And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abraham doesn't know exactly what's going to happen, but he believes God and he doesn't allow the testing of his faith to hinder him from doing and walking in obedience to what God calls me to do. Because, you know, sometimes I'll even say this. Some of you are hearing this and you're like, oh, wow. Okay, this is one of those, you know, uh, get ready, get ready, uh, rich messages where, you know, you're saying that everything that I face, that, you know, God is going to bring me out of it and all of this stuff. And that means that if I just hold on, that I'm not going to lose that thing. Or if I just hold on, that loved one is not going to die. And if I just hold on, no, sometimes he does take it away. Many times he doesn't. Sometimes he does. But is your faith in that thing? Or is your faith in God? That sometimes even when God will allow something, someone to die, he can raise them from the dead. Like there is literally no limitation to God's ability. And our faith is often attached to scenarios and how we want them to come out. Versus being attached to God and his ability to work, Romans 8, 28, all things together for good. I know this ain't some shouting stuff, but I wonder if there's anybody that's getting blessed today. So number three, number three, here we go. The testing of God's promises made to us cannot nullify them. So God promised Abraham, here we go. He promises Abraham that he's going to make him the father of many nations. He promises Abraham that it's going to happen through his son, Isaac. And God reiterates time and time again that it's going to be through Isaac that this happens. So the testing of Abraham's faith, Abraham is standing on this promise that God, if you told me that it's going to be Isaac, even if you're challenging Isaac in this moment, It can't nullify. The test does not nullify the promise. I don't know who I'm preaching to on this morning, but I showed up to help somebody today who God has promised you some things and God has said some things specifically to you. And you're in the place where the stuff that you're facing is making you feel like God is not faithful. But I wonder if it's one or two people in this place who he's come through for you before that can declare and can give God praise in this moment because you know that the test that you're facing is not going to nullify what he said over your life. And so if he said certain things to you, you and I have to be to the place where the testing of our faith does not allow us to walk in a place of disobedience 
Because we ultimately know that he is with us. God, realize, God swore by himself that he'd bring the promise to pass through Isaac. If you read Genesis 15, you read through Genesis 15, shows that God cut covenant with himself. Later in this passage, in Genesis chapter 22, where we're reading verse 16, the Bible makes it clear and says, And the Lord said, uh, by myself I have sworn declares the lord god swore by himself because there was no one greater to swear by that he was going to bring the promise to pass in abraham's life man i just wonder if hope is rising in about two people in here that you showed up in this place and you were depressed and you were down maybe i'm just gonna preach to myself this morning because the fact of the matter is i've been there and there's some areas in my life right now where it seems and it looks as if god is not present in can i just be real this morning but i'm so glad that his word makes it clear that if he said it that he is going to bring it to pass and i can stand on his word so in this passage in genesis chapter 22 we see uh, some things happening here that i love because isaac is going with abraham But not only is Isaac going with Abraham, but he also has two young men that he brings with him as well. And I think this is really, really dope for perspective's sake, because when you think about it, God's plan, when we're talking about above and beyond as it pertains to now the testing of the promises that he's put in our life. In this moment, we see generational and familial impact. So he impacts the two young boys that he that accompany him to bring the sacrifice. But Isaac, who is his son, is involved in this sacrifice and in this testing as well. The tests that we face are designed to make familial and generational impact. See, man, many of us, we think that the test that we face is about ourselves. We think that it's all about us. Come on. But the fact of the matter is that oftentimes God's desire is to make familial impact. I'll even say, and I can say from experience, that God will often test families together. Some of the greatest displays and revelations of God's God's power and faithfulness in my life is from me eavesdropping on my parents walking through trials. It's from me being around, seeing when my parents were navigating through hard times and feeling like they were going to quit and throw in the towel and being in that moment, seeing what God, how God would come through in their life would, would, has impacted me, has made an indelible effect on my life. And that's the way that it is for us. God's desire is for the generations after you to see that God is faithful through your testing. Come on. When you stand fast through trial, when you go, when you, when temptation comes and you decide that you're going to stay married instead of making the decision to X out because of some challenges, what that's passing on to the next generation is not marriage, is not something that you change like draws. And that the covenant that you make at the altar is a serious thing. The testing and the challenges that we face are not just for us, but they're to make generational and familial impact. Man, I'm telling you, my kids, and I'm, I, I, I realize more than ever, my children are affected by and they are blessed by the, the things that we go through as a family. On a massive level, this church planting journey, yo, it is a serious journey. 
It takes sacrifices. God has promised and told us and called us to plant this church and to do what he has called us to do. It's, it's, it's some challenging times. Right now, both my wife and I, we pastor full time, right? And I get paid. And so it's like a two for one. We do the things that we do, not for our glory, but we understand along the journey, there are, there are challenges and there are sacrifices to be made. And our kids witness us. Some of y'all, you look at me, oh, they have it all together. You, they look at us and they're around and they get to witness God's work and God's provision coming to pass in our lives as we are building this church. And I'll never forget when we were, cert- when we were preparing to launch this church and we were raising funds and we needed $4,000. And we were sitting at the table and we're like, God, you told us to do this. And now we're being faced with this financial challenge. What is it that we're going to do? And we sat at our kitchen table and prayed and sought God. And we put it out there because when you grow up in certain backgrounds, they don't want you to tell your kids about stuff. Come on, somebody. You don't know how much money's in the house. You don't know. And I get it. You don't burden your children with certain things and whatever. But oftentimes we hide reality from our children and then when they grow up consequently they have a false perspective of reality and so my kids we told them we said you know what? we need four thousand dollars and we prayed together at the table and you should have seen my kids how they were freaking out and how they were so excited when god came through because that's what god does and he showed up miraculously with every last penny And now they have stories to talk about God's faithfulness all because they were around. And guess what? Now, as a result, there's going to be generational impact that transpires because they were a part of witnessing the test that we've faced over time. But I love this. This is what it's all about. And this is why I especially want to challenge you and what I especially want to challenge you around. So in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 22, this is some good stuff. The Bible says... In verse 9, when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order to bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out, the Bible says, his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do not anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And look at this. So Abraham called the name of the place The Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. Can I give you number five? Here it is. When we're faithful during our trials, the consequent revelation is oftentimes larger than the test. What Abraham faced may have seemed that it was something that was of such great magnitude that it was going to not only end the promise, but end his sanity. 
But the fact of the matter is that as a result of him standing true and holding to what God had promised to him, he learns in that moment and generationally now we know God is, you know what this means? The Lord will provide a sacrifice. It means Jehovah Jireh. This is a name for God establishing and declaring that God is a provider. And we know this because Abraham stood fast through the testing. God reveals to him the revelation that he got through that experience was greater than the test that he faced. He number one learns that God is Jehovah Jireh. And if he didn't go through that time, he would not have known and he would not have caught that revelation that God was a provider. But not only this, not only this does he learn that God is a provider, but there are a number of things. God in that moment also makes a resounding declaration that he is diametrically opposed to human sacrifice. So in that moment, he's, uh, he's making it clear, hey, I am against y'all and all the people that are around you. Because remember, Abraham came from a pagan place. Remember, he's, he hasn't been walking with God too long. He's revealing to him, listen, you don't kill uh, humans for me to bless you. I provide the sacrifice. And so, so not only is he coming against human sacrifice, not only for, uh, for, for the blessing of God, but not only that, but he's also, uh, he's also showing him the revelation that he's Jehovah Jireh, the provider. And then also, he get, we get this magnanimous revelation through this. God is teaching him about the gospel. He's showing him as the father of the faith a picture of when, come on somebody, what we now celebrate that happened about 2,000 years ago. When God would come down in the flesh and would give himself. And many people, they look and they say, well, this is human sacrifice right here. No, the Bible makes it clear that not God gave his son, right? But Jesus was the one who made the decision for himself. He laid himself down and he picked himself up. And so in this place, Abraham is getting a revelation of the fact that not a man sacrificing anything or anyone is going to be the thing that takes away the sins of the world. But God himself is going to provide a sacrifice in the name of Jesus Christ. And that seed named Jesus would come and would live perfect because you and I couldn't. He would die in our place. He would lay his life down. And rise from the dead with all power in his hands. The revelation in that moment was greater than the sacrifice. Now with his son Isaac, he's able to walk through a place knowing that God is Jehovah Jireh. Knowing that God is opposed to human sacrifice. And having a forecast of the gospel that is ahead. There is stuff in your life right now. I said all that was my introduction. This last second is my message. I just want to encourage you to understand. I don't know what you're facing. 
I don't know how you've been up against what the test that's been up against you and what God has said in your life but I showed up all the way in this movie theater in Malvern to let one or two people in here know that if God has said it come on somebody and if no matter what comes up against you and the promise that he has made the fact is that he's trying to do above and beyond in your life come on and if you've never faced sickness you would never know that he was a healer come on if you were if you never were in a place where you didn't where you were facing deficiency you would never know that he was a provider who am i talking to if you never were in a place where your mind was rocking all night long and you were in the bed but you were tearing up the bed because you couldn't go to sleep because of what was happening in your mind you would never know that he's a mind regulator This is why, as long as I'm alive, it's not for my destruction, it's for my development. And even if I lose this life, how many of you know that I'm still okay? Come on, because death is not the end for someone whose life is hidden in Christ. That sometimes it's God saying, you know what? I'm checking your faith because your faith is the thing that's going to carry you not only through this earth, but even into the next life. This is why James says in James chapter 1 verse 2 through 4 he says count it all joy when you enter into trials of various times for the trying of your faith works patience he says let patience have her perfect work in you that you may be perfect or mature is what the greek indicates mature or complete wanting nothing God's desire through the trying of your faith is not to destroy you or to destroy your faith or to nullify what he said but it's to build you up and to give you a revelation of who he is in a deeper way and even oftentimes to foreshadow and to point even to things beyond your imagination heighten your perspective broaden your perspective go beyond stop saying god hates me based on what you're facing and see it as god is trying to give me a deeper revelation of who he is and he's trying to bring me to a place no one can go to abraham now after this and say god is not a provider because of the revelation that god gave him in that moment god's trying to mature you